Let's Talk About Wellbeing is a series of podcast episodes with Jackie Allen and Leslie Malcolm in conversation, whose very own life experiences will give you help on building well-being into your life. Well, hello again, and welcome to Let's Talk About Wellbeing. We're delighted to welcome you today. So for those of you listening for the first time, we are two women who are heading towards our more senior years. So let me introduce myself. My name is Jackie Allen. And my name is Leslie Malcolm. And we both have a zest and a passion for living our lives well. Having met online some time ago, we developed a rapport and a friendship, and we now have decided to have a few conversations around topics that are important to us and our lives and how that affects our lives. And we like to talk about the issues that surround these topics. So today we're going to discuss um, a hot topic of the moment called the menopause. And um, it was recently highlighted by a Davina McCall documentary, which was called Sex, Myths and the Menopause, which was aired on Channel 4. And it's really highlighted that uh, there is a big gap in society about the understanding and also in the medical profession, really, about this stage of life. And as Leslie and I have both experienced it, we can tell you a little bit about our experiences and some of the issues around it. So Leslie, could you want to just have a wee chat about your initial sort of um, experience around the whole menopause and the onset yeah. and so forth? Yeah, sure. Certainly, um, as you say, been there, done it, now got the t-shirt. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think when you were mentioning the fact that, you know, in terms of society now kind of an awakening to the menopause, first of all, it's probably because we're living longer. So, you know, many, many years ago, our grandmothers or even our great grandmothers probably never really got to menopause. Or if they did get there, then, you know, that was probably the end of it for them. So we are we are lucky enough, shall I say, in inverted commas, to be going through and hopefully coming out the other end. But for me personally, yes, I definitely felt different. Yes, there were challenges. Um, however, looking at my some of my friends, for example, I think I got it relatively easy. Others have had no symptoms. Others, oh my goodness, really, really bad symptoms. But for me personally, it was the biggest problem for me was sleep. I couldn't sleep. And at that time, we were still in a world of travel. And I do a lot of training and I do a lot of webinars on mental health and all aspects of well-being. So, you know, there I was jumping on a plane from as I am here in Glasgow. And I was trying to get to um, to London maybe two, three times a week. And um, I hadn't slept the whole night before. And you know yourself, you don't sleep the night before when you're going on a plane very well. So there I was basically not having slept, going to London or other places around the country and having to do a day's work. Oh, I mean, that was just that was just the end of it for me. But I also, even prior to that happening, I found that there was um, certainly all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I would feel anxious. And, you know, again, and I had no reason to feel anxious. I also noticed I started to forget my words. And bear in mind, I speak for a living. So I'm standing up talking <laughs> to people and I can't remember the word. And I'm having to think of all these sentences to explain one word. Um, so from that perspective, that was really where I thought there's something wrong. And um, I remember going to the doctor and, and when I mentioned the word anxiety, now the doctor I got at the time was a locum and she wanted to put me in antidepressants and I was absolutely not having it because I'm going through the menopause. Why do I want antidepressants? I don't have depression. So I think, you know, coming back to what you talked about about Davina, Davina's programme, I think she said that a lot, or they, they said a lot of people were getting put on antidepressants because the people didn't know how to deal with it. 
anxiety, sleep, sweats, of course, having the, the sweats, but you know, again, coming out the other end, but um, still, you know, again, it's a challenge in life. And as you say, not many people know about it. So it's one of those things that we want to, we want to create more interest and more understanding of it. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I can tell you a little bit more about my story in a little while, but um, the sleep issue was um, a huge part of my journey. And it has been a, a difficulty for me for many years. And I think the menopause certainly exacerbated that for me I would imagine yeah. and we had such busy lives and we were you know like women in general we when we say that we multitask and do everything I think that impacts as well because we've got so many pressures on our lives on a daily basis but um, the reason that um, it does impact in our sleep is quite a lot is that the hormones the same hormones that influence our, our menstrual cycles also in, influence the serotonin and that's a, mm -hmm. a chemical in our brain that promotes our feelings of well-being and happiness and yeah. uh, when that hormone drops, when the, the estrogen and progesterone drop, then the serotonin also falls. And that can um, contribute to this increased inability, irritability, I should say, and anxiety and sadness, triggering some mood swings. And I think that's why the doctors often reach straight for the, the antidepressant route, because yeah. that is part and parcel of it. But I think it's really part of just the process of what is actually happening in our bodies. So... I think, you know, you being very adamant that you didn't want, you know, that to go down that route. Not everybody has that strength and conviction to be able to say, because we're still probably of a generation that believe that what the doctor tells us or told us is the right answer. But of course, we yeah. know that there's lots of other answers out there or lots of other things we can at least try before we go to such a, a drastic <laughs> solution. Uh, would you agree with that, Leslie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I did um, try quite a few things. I think um, certainly for sweats, what was it somebody said to me? Sage tablets, tried them. Absolutely foul. <laughs> and, and, and also did absolutely nothing for them. However, having said that, friends of mine, it did help. But if I'm honest with you, in terms of the sleep, I went for HRT. And um, I was very lucky that this all happened during a period where I moved um, house and obviously as a result moved doctor surgery. And just by coincidence, I went in and um, the doctor was a female. She was a female, um, probably probably younger than me, but certainly not much younger than me. And, you know, she was the first person to say to me, what about HRT? It will stop all the symptoms, but very much so the sleep, she says, because if you can't sleep, and it's absolutely true, if you can't sleep, everything else is a challenge. The anxiety gets worse. The sweats get worse. And just generally in life, you can't cope. And, you know, of course, I asked the question, you know, what about breast cancer? And she said, that is a total myth. And, I, and again, going back to the Davina McCall documentary, that was absolutely proven to be a total myth. Yes, she said that if you have breast cancer in your family, then perhaps they're a bit more cautious. But certainly, if you don't, there is absolutely um, no more risk than you know any other type of medication. You know, obviously there's side effects, but I have to say for me, within a week, I was sleeping. Within a week, I stopped having sweats. Within a week, I'd, I'd forgotten that, that I'd felt anxious in the past. You know, I could actually um, remember my words. <laughs> so for me, it worked. You know, that, that was the thing. And, and I know not everybody wants to go down that route. Other people do use some of the supplements. And I know that's what you did, Jackie. You did that. But like you, I also took up exercise because I read somewhere that certainly high intensity exercise helps with the sweats. And, you know, that certainly has been a, a lifesaver for me. Yes, for the menopause, but quite frankly, in general. 
Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, yes, I didn't go the HRT route. I've just always been kind of anti-anything that I can avoid in the chemical pharmaceutical side of things. So I did look for a more um, holistic approach, I suppose. And I think, you know, like yourself, I've had all the symptoms. I did feel, you know, down and, and things like that and this lack of sleep and, and definitely flushes and so forth. But I don't think... I've had it so badly, but I think that could well be because I've incorporated along with, you know, natural supplementation to ensure that I've got the, the best nutritional support in my body. But I think the exercise thing that you and I both, we both are so passionate about how that impacts. And if you're feeling down and feeling low, sometimes that's the last thing that you feel like doing. But actually yeah. just by getting up and going outside taking your dog for a walk if you happen to have one or just going for a meander around the shops. It doesn't matter. It's just doing something positive and it distracts your mind and it helps you to have some of that feel-good hormones racing around your body again because you're feeling proactive and you're doing something to help. And I think that um, that's really, really important. And of course, it's got the other huge benefits, such as one of the things we haven't touched on as yet. But obviously, putting on weight is such a a common part of aging and and the menopause situation. And that's, you know, often um, the best way we can help that. And everybody says, oh, diet and exercise for everything is the solution. But, you know, most often it really is. And just making some changes. If your body's changing, you can bet your bottom dollar that there's some elements of your nutrition or your diet that can probably change as well and need to change, you know, just to support a different stage in your life. Yeah, those hormonal changes. It makes mm-hmm. sense that what you're putting into your body has to has to be altered somewhat because obviously the way that your body's reacting is is slightly different. But I was just I was just laughing when you were saying about, you know, exercise. I mean I actually bought myself a boxing bag because I one of the exercises um, that I actually went to was um, a thing called cycle box and that was thirty minutes spin, thirty minutes cycling. Well I decided I didn't I didn't really like the spin as much as I liked the boxing so I actually bought myself an 80 pound boxing bag out of Amazon a pair of boxing gloves and um, certainly that's what I've been doing over lockdown as well is um, whenever I felt frustrated but it really did help in terms of you know from the menopause perspective and um, and whenever I had an argument with my husband as well of course (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you would have any of those (laughs) (laughs) during menopause arguments with family and husbands no (laughs) it's one of those situations where you Mm -hmm. see things and you think to yourself why did I say that you know did that actually come out of my mouth who's that phantom person that's living with me (laughs) and you don't and you know you're in a mood but you can't bring Mm -hmm. yourself out of the mood (laughs) that is true enough actually well for me I like I like going out hill walking and and cycling that um, I felt that was a good way just to, to clear that sort of moods and you know during that time I was running my own business in retail and I think you know when you're being pleasant all day to your customers which of course you're doing anyway but you know it's it's a tough shift and sometimes you just needed yeah. to clear the cobwebs and when you've got these other factors racing around your body and you're trying to balance your your daily life and and one of the things that I think a lot of people at our age in life are, you know, it's not only your immediate life and family, but often you've got aging parents at this time. Yes. And that's yeah. a huge issue. So there can be things like that. You know, in this past year, we've had a pandemic to cope with, you know, for ladies going through these um, symptoms and through these issues with all of those associated challenges. I really sympathise with how they 
are coping with it, and it's finding out where to go for information or even just hearing other women's stories, which is kind of why we wanted to do this, so that it makes you feel yeah. a bit more normal, because are we going crazy? That's what a lot of people do worry about, you know, what is actually happening, and there's not much out there to really explain it in real terms. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and definitely coming back to that going crazy, absolutely. I mean, when I was literally standing in front of people and I think forgetting words, and we're talking mm -hmm. basic words here, I actually thought I was in early stages Alzheimer's, you know, because you know, it just, why could yes. this be happening? How could I be forgetting mm -hmm. things? And I've heard a lot of people actually say that, that, you know, it's actually quite scary, the, the forgetfulness. And a lot of yeah. it is when you're actually speaking, you forget, you, you forget almost how to speak. And again, in terms of some of the pressures that we're under, which compounds how you're feeling, you know, this whole sandwich generation, you know, you've some of us have still get, well, my daughter's now working, but, you know, when I probably started, she was certainly in the early stages of university. Like you mentioned, I had a, a mother who had dementia. So you're sandwiched in between the two and you're not feeling great. Yeah, well, that's right. And people always still look to the to the mother or the wife or, you know, if, and if then you're a daughter, you're, you can be a grandmother as well. You know, it's, you know, women do have have all the, these different elements going on and you still got to do normal things like the food shop and just try and even have fun in your life because we know just because we're aging it doesn't mean to say that we, we shouldn't be able to go out and enjoy our lives. I know when I had the fashion retail business women would come in and they were they were embarrassed about these flushes they, you yes. know especially if they were at work in the workplace because of course men just don't really always understand or younger men and never even crosses their mind if you know you're working in an office environment with males and females you know it's, it's really quite difficult to to suddenly turn into this woman that's like melting all over the place flushing red and feeling really uncomfortable and all the other associated things that go with it and bringing that into the the knowledge and the expertise and sympathy if you like for what women are going through in the workplace I think is really vital now and, and more and more organizations are are taking this on board I'm delighted to see. I'm certainly the chair of the CIPD in the west of Scotland, you know, which is the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. And the CIPD has very much championed menopause and menopause at work as being mm -hmm. something that organisations should absolutely take seriously and that they should have a policy on it. Um, and certainly, obviously, we normally have a lot of events throughout the year, and which we couldn't. So it was all webinars. And we had one that we had a professor from Glasgow University come along and one of her specialist topics was menopause. And we had probably the most people listening in that than we'd ever had. And, and of course, as she's talking, I'm, I'm scrolling down all the participants. And there certainly was at least a third of them were men. It wasn't all just women. So I think, yeah, organisations, you know, have to do something about it from women in the workplace because we're all working longer, we're all living longer. But at the same time, it helps people understand it. We need to, it's like many things that when society wakes up to them, we need to sort of change people's attitudes and help them normalise that this is something that happens and we, we have to be mindful of it and we have to understand it. Like you see, I think it's so good that many organisations are taking on board, not all, but, um, but many are taking it on board and actually taking it really, really seriously. Oh, absolutely. And it, just raising awareness, you know, through podcasts and through television programs and, and making it a talking point, I think is hugely important. And I know that, um, for example, like Vodafone, we're one of the first companies to really take it, you know, seriously. And when you consider that maybe around half of your workforce is female, 
they're not obviously all over, um, you know, over 50s, but you imagine about three and a half million people, I think, in the workplace you know, that are in there that would fall into that bracket. And, um, you know, quite often at that age, you're probably in more senior roles as well. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to lead by example. And you've, it's a great way for um, that to be introduced if the, if the women are, are the leaders, but the, obviously the male management are taking it seriously and more and more companies are bringing it on stream. And there's um, organisations such as Henpicked that are going into the workplace and a bit like you do with your training for, for the mental health side of things, Leslie, they're, they're bringing that to be part of the, the employee handbook and the, uh, bringing it onto the agenda in general. So I'm really thinking that's, that's a great way to go forward and really we should all welcome the openness that's out there now. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, I think there's more of a realisation from a male perspective that actually this is quite useful for me, for me to know because I'm going to be living with that woman that turns into a different woman. Um, yes. So I might as well, I might as well understand it. And of course, um, younger women, you know, some, it's something they're going to face. So I think it's really good because there always was this myth in society that when you got to a certain age, particularly as a woman, that you're almost invisible. And now, you know, that is absolutely not the case because we all look younger, we all feel younger, we all act younger, and we're, we're still making a stamp in society. So it's important that we, you know, we do absolutely make sure that this is all covered and that people understand it. And again, going through some of the, you know, the sort of symptoms and things like that in terms of, you know, things like, you know, I mentioned that sleep was such a challenge for me. Apart from, you know, HRT, there's loads and loads of things that we can actually do to improve our sleep hygiene because sleep is, and, and certainly in our society today, sleep deprivation according to the World Health Organization, is actually epidemic proportions um, in the Western world. For a lot of people, sleep deprivation seems as a badge of honour. And in actual fact, that's kind of, you know, it's actually the cheapest, the easiest way to, to restore ourselves and make ourselves feel better. So that was why for me, the minute it started affecting my sleep, I'd heard about the sweats, I'd heard about the moods, I'd even heard about the anxiety. But as soon as it started affecting my sleep, I had to do something about it. You know, I had to be much more proactive than I had been. You couldn't have performed in your business and, and, no. and nobody can, as you rightly said. And, you know, and we've already alluded to the, the exercise things. And of course, if you're doing more physical exercise, that is going to help with your sleep in itself because you're going to feel yes. physically tired as well as mentally tired. And, you know, I mentioned the more the supplemental side and, you mm -hmm. know, even just what we eat, of course, and um, it's a really common thing, actually, with women who reach a certain age that they are putting on this weight, but they actually end up eating all the wrong foods. And that exacerbates that whole whole thing. And, and actually, often they're um, still undernourished. There's not enough nutrition coming into the, the body and the hormonal changes. You know, you need to have foods for example, that are really rich in calcium and vitamin D, because mm -hmm. one of the most common and serious impact can be the um, um, risk of osteoporosis and, yes, you know, our yeah. bones weakening. So I think, you know, upping our intake of these is really vital. And, and the whole vitamin D issue has been raised again during the pandemic, I suppose, that for people that are indoors so much more and maybe not getting enough sunlight, because it is known as the sunshine vitamin, it's really, really important. And, and even just including things like, you know, the day products. It doesn't have to be fancy things. It's just, you know, yogurt and milk and cheese, eating things like that and your, you know, leafy greens and fish and salmon and stuff like that. That's really, really going to help. And they're all naturally nutritious and healthy foods. So they're going to impact positively on your, on your health. And I think it is a lot of people just 
go for comfort foods and then of course yeah. it's a slippery slope you put on a few pounds and you think oh well that's just part and parcel of being my age well I was completely the opposite of that because I felt myself putting on a few pounds and I thought well I don't want to be that person so no, no, you have to make up your mind if it's for you it's not easy I know I'm not saying that but if you don't take any steps to to reverse what is happening by being a bit more positive and proactive you know, then it is a slippery slope and then it's harder to feel good about yourself because then there's this beating ourselves up because we've had a bar of chocolate or, you know, <laughs> I just feel that that piles on the pressure, if you like. So then women are thinking, oh, well, I've put on weight and my partner might not like me anymore. And, you know, and it's all part of feeling old and unloved, I suppose, to, to a degree. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly, I just wanted to point out, you should never, ever feel bad about eating chocolate. No. You know, that is... That's actually compulsory. Um, <laughs> but certainly, yeah, I mean, I feel that... Just as you were talking there, what was going through my mind was the fact that actually everything that we're talking about in terms of improving your sleep, exercise, eating better, it's almost like an opportunity for us has opened through menopause to actually re-look re at your life and actually mm. create better habits. Because if you weren't exercising before and you start exercising now, that's good regardless. And, you know, you're talking about the vitamin D and eating, but also we know that weight training, for example, and I don't mean, you know, bulking up, I mean, just lifting weights actually increases your bone density, which counteracts any osteoporosis. And certainly as we get older as women, you know, as we get older, generally men and women, it's important, but more so women because of the onset of menopause, that that um, actual, if you are looking at exercise, yeah, high intensity exercise is really important. Um, and certainly that's what generates those, if you say, feel good hormones and, and helps us deal with those sweats. But the weight training is the great thing for dealing with things like the osteoporosis and, and things like that. So just thinking about it there, it's almost like it, nature's way of saying, now it's time to reset. Now you've got to create these good habits. You've done the children. You've done everything else. Now it's um, now the rest of your life. For, for you to feel good, you need to create these good habits. Yeah, I think it's just taking time to focus on ourselves because women are naturally givers and I'm not saying that men aren't either, but mm. aren't as well. But, you know, that is really what happens. And women are often at the bottom of the pile when it comes to, to me time. You know, it is a line in the sand. I think it is an opportunity for us to think, well, that's what we did then. And when you're young, you can get away with more anyway. You know, you, you, know, you can just get <laughs> away with more bad habits, if you like, uh, however you want to couch them. And I think as you get older, it is, yeah, it is a great time to think, well, how do I want to live my life? And, you know, being proactive for the older years are, is going to offset the likelihood of complications. And I think, you know, if you've got grandchildren, being outside and going for a walk with them in the park or to the feed the ducks, whatever it is, that's exercise. It doesn't always yeah. have to be the pounding of the, the no. streets, you know, doing marathons. I mean, that's not for everybody, of course. So I think, you know, when we're seeing exercise, we're not always meaning, you know, running up a hill and doing something dramatic, you know, just just a gentle amble around the park or around your local resort uh, holiday place that's got some activities and things for your grandchildren or your own families. That's exercise. So I, I don't want yeah. just to sound that we're always thinking, oh, well, we've got to be doing, you know, running a marathon or signing up for something like that. The NHS's five ways to well-being, you know, in terms of when it talks about exercise, you know, when it talks about movement, it talks about, you know, 
giving, you know, there's five different components that they say if we focus on these parts of our life, it will improve our well-being. And when it does talk about um, movement, basically the minimum recommendation for anybody is 150 minutes moderate exercise per week. And, you know, moderate exercise, just as you say, is defined as a probably a brisk walk. It's not necessarily a stroll, but equally it's not a run. And, you know, 150 minutes a week, that is what you could maybe be 30 minutes five times a week. That could be 15 minutes walk one way, 15 minutes walk the next um, back the way. Um, so, you know, that's kind of achievable for, for most people that are able mm-hmm. to be mobile. And yes. again, a lot of this for many of us, it's that, um, I think we've talked about it before, it's that gap between knowledge and action. We know all these things, but we have to take the action, otherwise it doesn't work. You know, while we're speaking about all these dynamic exercises, there are actually some lovely slower paced ones like yoga. If you want to know more about us and what we do and what we've talked about and some useful links that can help you manage some of your symptoms, then go to our Facebook page, Let's Talk About Wellbeing, and And um, we really look forward to you joining us for our next conversation. Well, it's goodbye from me, Leslie Malcolm. And it's goodbye from me, Jackie Allen. And look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you for listening to this Let's Talk About Wellbeing podcast with Jackie Allen and Leslie Malcolm. For more information on how to build wellbeing into your life, please search for our Facebook page, Let's Talk About Wellbeing.